You know, one of the nice things about Virginia is there's so much history there. It's been around so much longer than we have here, at least the foundation of their society. Now that compared to Europe is even Mm -hmm. so much smaller. I know people from Europe would go, oh, 1760s or the 1700s. Uh, but yeah, it was it was fun to just walk around the downtown and see. Yeah, I don't think I've, ever, I've I've driven through it, but I don't think I've ever actually stopped and walked around and looked at stuff and the kind of experience. I also have a coworker who just came back from New Orleans, and he said it was incredible and it was definitely a, a must must you know go to. And and he said he he said there's plenty to do in the French Quarter, but he highly recommends like leaving it too. That's somewhere I would like to go at some point. That would be fun. They in Virginia. I was if I would have been there. Well, I was busy with the one night, but they were gonna have a parade there, and I was curious to see what a Virginian parade would look like. If it would be, it's a small town, so I don't know if it'd just be a tiny little parade, people walking by with like wag, red wagons and kids are in the back, or if it would actually be a larger <laughs> parade that would be entertaining. What if you had a parade? What would uh what would be in your parade? If there's a a croiler, a parade for croiler. Oh, I have no idea. Uh, what kind of floats would you have in yours? <laughs> would you? Would your floats be? That is literally something I have never thought about. That's weird. Uh, what kind of floats would you have in your parade? Mine would probably have a lot of robots. They would have. Um, <laughs> that came way too quick. You must have really. Thought <laughs> <about>. <laughs> I'd have robots, and it'd be futuristic. There'd be spaceships. <laughs> planets, aliens, and that would also be mixed in with maybe jujitsu. So jujitsu. And aliens. Wielding aliens. I I would have one float that would just be a mat, and on the mat there would be an alien and a robot, and they'd be rolling together. But it'd be a very different kind of jujitsu because the alien would have multiple limbs, and the robot... is stiff. Well, see, you're thinking of a very old style oh, oh, robot. It's not old style, it's a nope. new one, like, no. a, like an android. Yeah, 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 a very dexterous and um, it, a little a being with some agility. So it would be a different type of jujitsu. It'd be the new, next generation jujitsu. Oh, yeah. that, that, that'd, be, that'd be the placard on the bottom would say next generation jujitsu. Hey, if you can make it happen. They'd have flow. swords as their hands so when is this when is this parade happening i i have to do something important enough to warrant a parade in my honor the comptroller system uh there would be yeah there would be a parade float that had the comptroller system and if you release that i think that's big enough of a contribution oh it could be but einstein came up with some pretty influential things and i don't know that he gets parades do you think that are you saying that maybe comptroller system would be higher than I'm just saying that, Einstein's influence I'm just, I'm just saying that your sniff and sticking something in method might award a ton of followers can you get a Nobel Prize for something like that <laughs> find out I guess So I'm going to make a bold statement right now. Okay. Jiu-Jitsu is a grappling martial art. That is correct. Don't try to argue with that. I'm going to stand my ground. It's a grappling martial art. Yeah. Grappling means a lot of things. It means wrestling around on the ground. Agreed? 
No. <laughs> see, see, the whole wrestling thing, to me, is just as horrible as jits. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't do that. No? So you, you, you don't like someone? If someone comes into your school and says, yeah, I'm just here because I'm interested in wrestling and jits. Yeah, no. I, I will say, we'll teach you how to do jujitsu every time. Like, I always say jujitsu. Well, that's nice. So you at least won't tell them to just leave well, immediately. It, no, but if they keep saying jits, I just, I just look at them and I, you know, like when somebody mispronounces something and you say it for them so they understand uh-huh. so somebody's like yeah i like to do some jits and i'm like jujitsu they're like yeah yeah jits i'm like jujitsu okay <laughs> and and subliminally at some point they're gonna get it <laughs> yeah so you get to a line where you get to a point where you eventually just say listen i've been i've tried to be nice i've tried to correct you but you're not picking up on the signs you're either gonna start saying jujitsu or you're gonna leave my school well i don't get to that point over Jits and jujitsu, but but yeah, eventually I say you know, it's not jits. That's what? not this is not basement YouTube jujitsu. I when when I started, I never called it jits. I I think I called it choky st- choky stuff. I was like, hey, I'm here for that choky stuff. <laughs> yeah, that was a particularly awkward situation. Yeah, well, you welcomed me with open arms, and yeah. here I here and now you created the the controller, arguably maybe one of the best yeah. choky systems there are. And I'm doing a choky choky podcast, the just choky doki oki oh, doki wokey. This is horrible podcast. I think. <laughs> well, I was about to lead up to something, and then I got derailed, um, <laughs> which is unusual for me. Yeah. Today's episode is on takedowns. Takedowns in jujitsu. Jits takedowns. Is the mic we, on? Mic is on. Thank you. Okay. Ooh, and I'm Andrew Desimone. And Croyler Gracie. Croyler Gracie. Look at that. <laughs> Professionals. Uh, we didn't wait till the end of the episode to do it. <laughs> We're getting better every day. Today is about takedowns and jujitsu. So it's funny because it's almost a running joke sometimes in jujitsu that like our takedowns are just bad. And not that jujitsu, the way it's taught, takedowns are bad, but we oftentimes don't do takedowns enough that we're just so comfortable on our butts that it's like a takedown is something yeah, on the side. Yeah, that's like a legacy issue, though. What do you mean, legacy issue? Um, you know, so jujitsu, you know, Brazilian jujitsu stems from judo, which stemmed from Japanese jujitsu, right? Um, so, you know, you know, judo guys are incredible you know, takedown artists. And then you have, uh, so, so at its very root, it's very roots. Jiu-Jitsu had for all intents and purposes, the vast majority of judo takedowns were also in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu um, early on. Right. Um, I'm, I'm sure that the ones that would expose your back got eliminated. However, the problem became that the the ground game became so complex it became so large you know that people devoted themselves to that right the idea was it doesn't matter how i get to the ground i just need to make sure that when i get there they can't do anything to me mm. right and and also it's a whole lot more fun to to roll around than it is to practice takedowns on each other so you have the vast majority of the population that trains jujitsu saying, you know what, the fun part is the rolling around. Mm-hmm. Let's just let's just do that, right? And and you do a few generations of that, you know. Um, and it's not that jujitsu com- competitors or jujitsu practitioners don't know takedowns. I just don't think that they devote as much time to taking down 
as let's say wrestlers or judo guys or even sambo guys and that's that is pretty obvious when you see a like white belt like a tournament you see white belts Mm -hmm. or new people and a new wrestler versus a new jujitsu a guy who's new to grappling and he just started with jujitsu right you see that there where oh yeah they it's just they get taken down immediately and then and then they can a lot of times start to put things together on the ground but on the feet it's almost like they just walk in and their face and their posture says why don't you just take me down and then we'll start and then we can go from there and and and, you know there's again it becomes one of those things that if you're just playing the game right if you're just looking to compete takedowns are incredibly valuable they give you two points a top position um an instant mental edge and and all these other things but the reality is, if you're really good on the ground, it doesn't really matter if, you, if you're if you the one taking the person down or not. I mean, look at guys like, um, you know, uh, Gordon Ryan, Eddie, Eddie Cummings. You look at um, the Meows. You know, a lot of those guys are pulling guard, you know, and, and half guard, butterfly, full, doesn't matter. They're willing to give up the opposition. They're even willing sometimes to be taken down if if it implies that they can do jiu-jitsu. You know, uh, it's on their feet that they lose. You know, Gordon Ryan fought Leandro Lowe, um, I think two years ago. It was a, it was a trials, ADC trials. They met up at the, the finals. And, you know, Lowe is, a, is an incredible, incredible, um, you know, guard passing artist. He's, he's very, very good at that. And Gordon Ryan, at that time, he wasn't employing his back attacks he wasn't employing his top mount or his triangles he was really just still very much like lock leg lock artist at that point so low just made sure that every time that gordon would sit down to to pull butterfly he would either pass or he'd back out force gordon ryan to stand up and then with like you know a minute to go shoots a single takes gordon ryan down wins two nothing you know, so I mean, there's a huge edge in just having that ability to do that. But again, if you're if your levels above, if your technique is so much better than who you're competing against, it doesn't really matter, mm-hmm. right? Would it be probably more important in a self defense aspect, though? Oh, absolutely, far more important in a self defense aspect. You know, if you can't take somebody down, you can't do jujitsu, right? So, mm-hmm. so I mean, you could be incredible on the ground, but if you if you have if you're incapable of um, taking somebody down, then 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 you have nothing, mm. you know, a paper tiger, so to speak. Right. Um, but don't don't get me wrong. I, I'm not saying the takedowns are not necessary. I I just think that I I understand why people don't practice takedowns. Yes. Yeah. Like I get it. I do too, and I like takedowns coming from a wrestling background. I enjoy watching them. I like the progress that they force the fight mm-hmm. into. But I'm the same. I I still. If we have a class and it's going to be just a takedown class, I know that it's one going to be a lot more tiring. Some takedowns just aren't as fun. And if you start on your feet rolling with someone and you go, hey, we'll start on our feet, it's just so much more exhausting. So I completely understand why as many people don't do it as often, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a, a good a good thing. Oh, I, I think I think you should have the ability. So you should have the ability to take somebody down. Mm. And if you can, then you 
pick whatever you want to do. If you want to sit down and pull guard, if you want to jump to guard, if you want to take somebody out, because you have the ability to do so. It's to me, it's the same thing as like, should we pass the guard or should we leg lock? To me, before you attempt a leg lock, you should most definitely have the ability to pass the guard. You may not like to pass the guard, but you should have the ability. You should never be pigeonholed to having to have a fight go a certain way for you to be successful. It's it's tough. It's tough to argue. You know, injuries come up. They they go through the roof when you're when you're practicing. Um, nobody likes getting tossed. There's not a single person on the planet that likes getting tossed. That's why the whole point of wrestling is not to get tossed, but to stop yourself from getting tossed. Right. Um, I think that it's it's harder to train. It's harder on your body. It's it's tiring. Like you said, most people can't take it. The constant abuse. I mean, in jujitsu, if 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 you're not as good as somebody, the worst thing that's happening is you're tapping a lot. Mm. In in the judo class or in a wrestling class, if you're not as good as whoever you're you're grappling against, you're just getting hit. You just get thrown to the get, ground. Yeah, like ragdolled left and right. That's definitely not fun. Yeah, so, that that is tough with judo. I have so much respect for people who practice judo because we will do. Uh, at our school, we have a guy who's a judo. Is he a black, black belt? Black belt, yeah. Nate and Nate has been doing it for a while. He's fantastic at it. And we will have our competition classes, and then afterwards, um, when Nate can come in, he will do our judo classes. And I just always have to kind of mentally prepare myself and go, all right, I'm gonna get thrown so hard on the mats now <laughs> for a little while. Yeah, and I. I love to watch judo throws. I love I love to pull them off, but I don't like having them done on me. Right. Um, it's, it might be a weird thing to say. No, I'm a hundred percent behind. It's just like um, it's just like when Grant, you know, Grant Sauer, one of our wrestling wrestling instructors at the school, he, um, you know, he same thing when he does wrestling class after competition class, right? So it, it's great to pull double legs and single legs and ankle picks and like get these beautiful takedowns, these firing carries and stuff. But man, like, you know, somebody should sit blast double and you just get tossed in your ass. Like there's nothing fun about that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing fun about that. You want to just raise your hand and go, Hey, do you remember how we can just sit on our butts and do stuff from that? <laughs> right. Let's can just, we, let's just do that. Yeah. Can we do <laughs> takedowns from there? No, it doesn't work that way. Okay. I guess we'll stay, stay on our feet. Uh, there, so with takedowns, would you would you say they're different? What are the different groups? I mean, you have throws. Oh yeah, there's. I mean, so so on a on a very grand scale, on a top down scale, you know, you you have throws and takedowns, right? Throws being, you know, somebody, you know, picks you airborne and, and tosses you, usually over their shoulders, over their hips, uh, more like a judo style. And in my mind, I classify takedowns more like a wrestling base where you're usually falling with your opponent, you know, you're messing with the legs, doing double singles. Um, it, so that's how I, I categorize in my head, right? Um, throws being judo style, takedowns being wrestling style. Um, and then in judo, there's a, a vast variety of, of styles as far as takedowns. You have foot sweeps, you have suicide throws, you have over the shoulder, you have over the hip throws. Um, you you have they used to judo used to allow like double legs and single legs and and all that stuff but they eliminated that from from competition wrestling if we I like that judo takedowns a lot of times you think judo I'm sorry throws you think judo takedowns right. you think wrestling right. wrestling 
the takedowns you can bring over to gi. You can do those. It's sometimes harder because if you're trying to shoot a double leg or a single leg right. and your opponent's grabbing your collar, right. it's so difficult. That, right. When I first competed, I went no gi first and I was like, boom, single legs, double legs. I can hit them. Awesome. And then 30 minutes later, I went to gi. Those so, same takedowns. Shut down. Just yeah. the person was just controlling the collar. Collar grip is all it takes, and that that killed me. So, the wrestling takedowns do transfer over, but they can be a little more challenging. Now, judo, how does that transfer it over to nogi? So, judo can be very successful in nogi. I mean, you see it all the time. You saw it with Carl Parisian and Noran Rousey in in the UFC. Carl Parisian being, I think, even better than Rousey. He just never got the the spotlight as much. Um, you can't do it. You can do a vast, vast majority of judo throws you can do it without the gi. You know, you use overhooks and underhooks, head hugs, body hugs, and you can still make all those things happen. Um, it does take more practice. You know, just like doing wrestling takedowns in the gi setting is a little bit more work. Doing judo takedowns without the, gri- without the grips does take a little more work, but it's very, very possible. What about closing the distance for setting the takedown up? That is going to be different between your takedown and your throws. Oh, absolutely. So like the, that's the, the, the clinching dilemma, right? Um, so so in, in when we talk about like Brazilian jiu-jitsu or Gracie jiu-jitsu as far as self-defense goes, um, or even in fighting, it doesn't matter. There, there is the paradigm of if I am far enough away from my opponent they can't do me damage right but if i'm too if i have to be or if i'm close enough they cannot do damage it's the middle ground that we talked about last time that that becomes an issue right so the the question of the ages whether it's for fighting competition self-defense how do i safely close the middle ground where i can get you know essentially hit or counter you know somebody could take take me down somebody could throw me and all these things um so yeah, clinching becomes very, very important in learning how to clinch. So yeah, if you're, you know, if you're looking for like a the wrestling style takedown, generally speaking, you want to create, um, you want your opponent to walk or step a certain way to, to allow you to enter into a position where they're mechanically inefficient and you can, you know, imply your technique, take them down. So, you know, in a single leg, right you want the guy to step forward so you the, the target leg is closer you know then you want to be able to reach that leg and cut the corner before they they can do anything where um and that's utilizing a lot the wrestling is utilizing more speed and agility right right because remember you, you don't have as much control so you're looking for you're, you're paying attention to movement you're trying to set up you're trying to set up your opponent so that they behave a certain way right if you keep faking for one leg, they may lead with the other, and that may be the leg that you want. Or if you circle to one side, they may force them to circle the other way, and as soon as it happens, that leg is now exposed. Um, and, and once that occurs, then you have a brief window of opportunity to take advantage of that opening, because your opponent's not gonna just stand there. Whereas in, in judo, right, because you have the grips, the collar grips, the belt grips, the pant grips, the sleeve grips, you can have a much higher level of control so you don't need as much speed although speed is great um, what happens though is because you don't have much of a speed factor into it um, there's not a lot of kinetic energy that both both parties are kind of slow moving they're just kind of hugging right mm-hmm. so how can we toss somebody that weighs as much as we do if they're if they're not off balance right and that's where judo then created the idea of kuzushi you know where they're off-balancing um, 
you know, Kazushi is off balancing. So the idea of how can I off balance my opponent to either take advantage of their, their imbalance, you know, whether it's a trip, a foot sweep, a shoulder toss, um, the idea of like slingshotting your opponent is very, very big. I'm sure that, you know, judo has a proper name for it where you, you push or pull your opponent. And as they react to that, you, you take advantage of that reaction. But they're, they tend to be much shorter steps, much smaller, much more subtle, I think, than, you know, a, like a double leg or a single leg. All right. If you look at white belt and blue belts competition, what would you say the most common takedowns are going to be? In white belt, blue belt? Because mm-hmm. I'm curious how if it changes from white belt, blue belt, purple belt, brown oh, belt. Absolutely. I think white to blue, you're going to see lots of doubles and singles. I mean, because just especially in America, because of the number of wrestlers that are now part of the sport doubles and singles all day what about purple brown depends which school they're coming from so i think if you if they're coming from a school that's very like wrestling wrestling you know intense meaning the instructors are wrestler at some point or they have a wrestling coach um you might start to see you may start to see like ankle picks and fireman carry fireman's carry and and still you know strong based on your doubles and singles because those are kind of your your very your foundation right um and and i think you you might see like head snaps you know front headlocks single legs you know duck unders and things like that where if they come more from a judo you know centric background um you might start seeing more foot sweeps and you know um Osotogaris and things like that, which are pretty basic. Osotogaris are also going to be your fundamental, one of your fundamental throws as a white and blue belt. You may see that a lot too. Um, but yeah, so if they're if they're more judo focused, you see, you'll see you know foot sweeps, you'll see um, shoulder tosses, hip tosses, um, and leg sweeps mostly. What do you see on the world stage with the top level competitors right now, takedown wise? Are there is there a trend? Is there something that's popular with? Do you want the real answer? Or do you want the answer that podcast needs? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want the oh, real one. Okay. Well, sadly, um, if you look at the highest level, like the the Browns black belts at the world tournament, um, you'll see a slew of singles and doubles um, on the more on the lighter side, guys. Um, is that because Sorry, not on the lighter side guys on the heavier sided guys okay. you'll see singles and doubles guys like Bushesha will, will shoot doubles and singles particularly his single which is why Bushesha does so well in competition he's a massive human being that generally speaking is agile enough to to get a, a blast single on his on his feet and and he doesn't have a wrestling background he's straight jujitsu yeah right? yeah he's just he he's big he's strong he's fast and he's got a for for a jujitsu competition. He's got a pretty decent single leg. Okay. So you know, starts to do nothing. And then when you go as you go down from the heavy guys down to the lightweights, then you start seeing a lot of butt scooting and guard pulling and guard jumping and all that stuff. Okay. So the honest answer is at the highest level you don't see takedowns. All right, that's interesting. What was the answer going to be for uh, <laughs> the answer the podcast needs? <laughs> Well, the, the, what I would like to say is that at the highest level, you would see guys that are actively trying to take each other down, actively start in a dominant position in order to employ their game the way jiu-jitsu was meant to be, right? You, you get on top by all means possible, and you remain there, and you look for a submission. And should that not be the case, maybe you get taken down or you're incapable of taking them down, 
then you'd be in the bottom and you find your way to the top. We talked about this in our, in our self-defense, um, mm-hmm. um, podcast in our episode. So yeah, I mean, that's the answer that I would like people to, to try to follow and do, but that's not going to be the case. And then is the reason because what you said earlier, it's just so much people just kind of prefer training on their butts. And then you spend so much time there. You're comfortable there that you meet someone else in a competition and they're in the same boat as you. And you guys are both fighting to get to the same spot. I mean, mean, you go into a little bit of psychology there because let's say it takes you eight years to get a black belt. Right. And let's say you train five days a week. And so that's your training time, five days a week for, for eight years. Um, and you do, and so in a month you'd have between 20 and 25 classes, right? So let's say in a month you did maybe five classes worth of takedown, so one class a week. So 80% of your training is on the ground and 20% of your training is on your feet, which is still far more generous than what most people are actually doing, right? So you spent 80% of eight years being on the ground and 20% being on your feet. Now, before we go further, let's keep in mind that we as human beings like to do the things that we're good at. Okay. And that's the reason why we're good at them. You know, so if you ever, well, people right now are screaming, then why are you guys doing a podcast? (laughs) Right. Pretty (laughs) much. Yeah. No. So like if, you know, think about it like this, like if, if you ever pick up a new hobby that you've never done before, you're going to be horrible at it. Okay. It's a new fucking hobby. You're going to be horrible. It took you a while to get good at belly dancing. I remember at first when you picked it up, <laughs> you were struggling, but man, we went to the first recital I oh, went to. If it was I wish tough. I, I, and I, wish the last I could one. belly dance. I can't dance. You're going to put me at belly dancing. Like, yeah, no, I can't do that. <laughs> um, no. So if you pick up a new hobby, you're not going to be good at it. And it's very easy to get frustrated, discouraged and quit. It takes that one person or those few people to go, Hey, Whatever your hobby was, good job. This is really cool, right? Then all of a sudden it feeds into your brain like, hey, I, I'm not great at it, but somebody appreciated it. You know, I can't be that bad. See, so, so your perspective changes. And then you do more of that hobby until you're actually good enough that people truly are appreciating it, right? So imagine working for eight years, okay, get to the highest level and you go to the world tournament as a black belt. And you go out there and you find somebody who has spent 70% of their time on the ground and 30% of their time in eight years on their feet. That's a huge edge on their feet in comparison to you, right? So you're like, man, I'm going to fight for the takedowns. I got this. I spent, you know, a solid two years of my life on takedowns. I can do this. Meanwhile, the other guys, like I spent three years of my life on takedowns, right? And then you have all this huge game plan prepared and then the, the dude comes out and just blast doubles you and then you're in your ass and that's the way to start the match. After being taken down at the biggest stage in a position probably where you, you're behind, meaning you can't really employ your game on an even ground, even footing. So it gets very frustrating, right? And then that, that feeds into the negative side of things where I'm not going to do that anymore. Mm. I don't like that feeling, right? It's never, I need to address my takedown situation. It's simply, I did not like this. If I start on my butt, if I pull guard, if I butt screwed, if I sit down, I avoid all those issues and I can play my game and I can probably beat that guy that did the blast double on me. And then when you win, then that feeds into the positive side of things where now I liked that. I liked winning 
sitting on my butt equates to winning versus me trying for a takedown equates to me losing. Again, I'm not talking about how it should be. I'm talking about how most people are, mm-hmm. right? And and that's a problem. So, you know, imagine how frustrating it would be to train for eight years and put your, your mind and your goals and dreams on being a world champion. And in the very first match, some dude that's been wrestling for 10 years, wrestled high school, college, worked to get his black belt and comes out and just beats you like and you know that their jiu-jitsu is not better than you you know that they can't submit you you know that they can't do damage to you but they could get those two points man that's all it took was those two points and then he did nothing he sniffed your belly button hugged your hips made sure you couldn't move and then you lost you lost to that guy that you know it's, it's frustrating i can follow that logic and that makes sense when did you start to see that de-emphasis on takedowns on the highest level when did that switch take place i'm gonna say it's probably gonna be about 18 years 18 years now about 2000 yeah it's when the old school uh, i'm not gonna say old school because jiu-jitsu is old school i'm gonna say the the old guard right the old the the older guys they're in their 40s and 50s now um it's when they started like exiting the um the adult category and going into the master's category and it's when the new age took over um you start seeing a whole lot more of that I mean, what, what do you think what caused that difference in mentality? Well, those guys, right? The, the guys that I'm going to talk about the Brazilians, right? You know, that were black belts 18 years ago, competing, actively competing. Those guys grew up in the time where jujitsu was finally becoming a sport, right? Where before then it, it was like dojo storming and fights. Like at some point you're playing on fighting in, in MMA and, and, you know, it was for it was for a real altercation that you may have going home tonight. You know, it was from defending yourself from violent situations. So it was a little bit of a different reality. You trained with the idea of I'm going to fight someday. I'm going to have to protect myself at some point soon. I, I cannot afford to lose the the mentality of you know I need to be the I need to not just be the best, but I need to and show people that I'm the best. Um, and then. You know, when you're training that way with a heavy emphasis on self-defense, heavy emphasis on, on fighting someday, whether it's MMA or, 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 you know, just on your walk home, you definitely want to be on top in those situations. So there, there develops a huge focus on, on takedowns. The younger kids coming up under them never had to prove that jiu-jitsu was better, right? They, they just had it for them. Mm-hmm. They never had to go out and say... Shit, the karate guy over there is talking, talking smack. I gotta go take care of this. You know, yeah, that's a good point. I have to find a way to take him down. Or, you know, the 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 younger generation decided that, you know, they're not gonna get attacked. I mean, you see that today that the younger kids they don't think that they're gonna be attacked. The younger girls don't think that they could be raped. They're all Superman and and invincible. So, because the the previous generation did so much work, the the next generation, the generation that came in around the two thousands. They didn't have to. So for them, they did what was fun, not what was needed. And then they started winning. And it's hard to argue results. And then you create a, you know, a horrible phenomena. When you see the older school guys who were doing takedowns, what kind of takedowns were you seeing from them usually? So it was fun. Like if you ever want to see like I can I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna get a lot of hate for this, but I can't stand watching the world tournament anymore. Yeah, me as a black boy, I can't. It's it's mind-numbing to watch that and it's not because they don't have good athletes it's just 
horrible. It's just horrible to watch. It's every match is the same, like, unless there's a huge mismatch. And the only times you see huge mismatches at the world tournament are when there's a, an up and coming black belt that people don't know their game. Um, or when there's a guy who's been around forever and just has an answer for everybody. That's the only time you see a mismatch. You know, the, the middle level guys have been black belts for three to five years. They've been competing for three to five years. There, there's very little mismatches there, but the, the young black belt that just got their black belt that people don't know their game, you know, because they they just haven't been around enough for, for there to be footage or for people to have studied it. They usually have a little bit of an edge or the guy who's been around for 10 years has a huge experience advantage. The really fun tournament to watch is Masters Worlds. That is a fucking riot. Like that is a good that is a good tournament to watch. That's fun. So that that's where people are trying things and well, that's when you get the guys that are in their forties and early fifties that used to compete a ton. That you know they're just doing it to have fun. They've already fought everybody that's in the category because they've been competing alongside each other for two decades. So most of them are friends. Most of them have lost and won, you know, against their, their people they're competing. So they're going out there and they're just like having these amazing wars and they have absolutely no cares in the world as to what happens afterwards. It's, it's incredible. I, I didn't think about that aspect of it, but yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll check that, that out. That is the one that's worth watching. That's like later in the year. That's when those guys will, you know, you'll see like huge takedown battles, you know, or maybe, you know, if one of them is injured, they'll pull guard, but they're actually trying to do something with their guard. You know, you'll see the sub submission rate is far higher, you know, per, per the quantity of, of, of competitors in the Masters world than it is in actual the Mundials at the Worlds. Let's go back to takedowns and maybe go yeah. do some technique and talk about specific ones. The most, I don't know if I'd say the most common, but starting off at our school, there are, let's see, the takedowns we will typically start off with the white belts would be a Bayana, which is like the double leg. Right. We have the Ogash. Right, and then the Sotogari, which we don't flat out come on and call it a Sotogari, but we do it as a self-defense. And how would you describe the Ogash? So Ogash is, is a very fundamental hip toss, um, Judo 101. I think it, when people think of a Judo takedown, this one probably yeah, comes to mind. Basically, this is a over the top, over the hip toss. Um, generally speaking, you would grab opponent's wrists or sleeve, grab their hip, upper body, underhook, head, um, any sort of other um, anchor to their upper body. In judo, I'm sure they have different names for each hand positioning. It's still the same technique. You would, you know, place yourself in a way that your your feet are underneath, are, are inside their feet, and your hip is right directly in front of their hips. And then you'd squat, hips go back, that creates a shelf, picks up your opponent, and then it's just a simple upper body rotation to get the, the opponent to come down. It, it seems like a good starting point for demonstrating throws because it's it simply shows a lot of the different mechanics and steps of a throw. Yeah. So some of you, you, you can kind of go, see this? Here's a snapshot of the things you'll need to know to hit other throws. Right. Plus it's super empowering, um, not to take down itself, but what it creates. So if you take somebody, let's say, let's say uh, like a, a mom of two, right? That hasn't been training for a long time or a meek, like 14 year old kid who's shy and uncomfortable. Or and me. 
Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you say, hey, you're going to try this steak down. I'm going to show it to class and you're going to try on that person. And, and there's somebody much bigger than they are, right? And they're like, oh, I can't lift them. Just do the steps. And, and they, they focus on the steps already defeating themselves, thinking there's no way I can lift this bigger, larger person. And then they do all the steps right. You do this perfect input. You get this perfect output. The opponent gets lifted. And you can see it. Like, they shocked themselves. Like, well, I just lifted that person. And they didn't feel that heavy. I can do this. It's a very empowering um, takedown. It's very good for a beginner's class because, like you said, it does demonstrate all the mechanics of a beginner, uh, of, of a fundamental takedown that's going to be, the, those concepts will be used later in more advanced takedowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, that's a good, I think, teaching technique because you can you can overcome the bound the obstacle that a lot of people would have later on down the road when you're showing a throw and they they're thinking there's I, I can't do this to someone because a lot of more complex throws have so many different steps and if you have someone immediately questioning whether it's even possible because of the size difference right. that stops everything so this is that is a good way to kind of give like a hey buddy you got this right and I know that. You've done that before. I, I've seen you with people going, all right, you should be able to now lift them up here. And then they're, they're basically, you can just hold them on your hip or right on like right. your back. And you can see people realize, oh, this is possible to do. Right. And, and it's much less physically taxing than, let's say, like a double leg or a single yes. leg. Yes. You know, um, so it, it, you don't feel exhausted. You don't feel tired. You get this immediate reward. Um, it teaches you concepts you're going to use later for other throws. Um, yeah, I think it's it's a it's a very good beginner takedown. And not everyone has the the, uh, the physical ability to shoot a solid double leg. Oh, absolutely, right? If you get injured, you know, if you get injured or if you have injuries, um, then you, you can't, you know, I mean, you just can't do certain things. Mm-hmm. And then if we hop over to the Bayana, the double leg that we do. Mm-hmm. What's the reason for having that as one of the introductory takedowns for a white belt at our school? So, you know, uh, an Ogosh is something, it's a takedown. The, the reason why I have those two as, a, as beginner takedowns is because y- you have two scenarios, right? You have the scenario of, okay, I am really close to my opponent. Like, we're really close. We're basically, we're wrestling, standing up. The Ogosh comes in very, 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 uh, it just kind of fits in that role, right? If we're clenched up on our feet, and we're, we're essentially, you know, fighting for underhooks and overhooks. The oh gosh, kind of fits that role super, super well. The um, the bayana, the double leg, it becomes more of that closer. What if I couldn't get that close, right? What if you you, you have good striking, good defense, good distance management, and I, I can't afford to just be close to you and then set you up and take you down? What if I have to be a little bit more aggressive and I want to impose my will before we clinch? Right, and then the double leg comes in really, really well. Plus, uh, the bayana or the double leg is very much uh, infused with with the the old old Gracie Jiu-Jitsu tactics of of fighting. Right, if you look at Hoyes back in ninety two, ninety three, ninety four in the UFCs, um, you know he used to do that little front kick, which was part of the original Gracie program. Um, and the front kick was never to do damage. I mean. Let's be real, like no Brazilian can kick anything. Uh, <laughs> but but the idea was distance management, right? That little front kick to the to the legs or to the gut was simply distance management. And as soon as they could measure how far the opponent was, 
or if they're putting them backed out a little bit, they're on their heels. It, that, that front kick sets up perfectly a double leg and it gives you that entry where you don't have to clinch the opponent. You don't have to like pin them up against the wall. You don't have to deal with overhooks, underhooks. You simply have managed that distance. You know they're set up and you just pull the trigger and you get the takedown. That's a good place to end our takedowns for today. Yeah, I mean, like, like I think the take home message is takedowns are not fun to practice. They're not easy to learn. It takes a long time to put skill into them. And I understand why people don't do that because they rather focus on the fun side of things. However, if you have this amazing arsenal on the ground, but you can't take the fight there, then you're handicapped. Right. So it's worth dedicating some time. Very good point. Okay, we're going to go through our first listener email oh, look at that oh today we have our <laughs> ba, 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 listener email from the mailbag i'm working on the jingle that's that's just hey but you did jingle though that's good i did the jingle yeah how many jingles have you done for us so far i haven't you haven't done a single fucking jingle <laughs> freestyled you haven't jingled you haven't i know i refuse what if we do a, a post on instagram you could do your like a belly dancing routine no I can't dance. <laughs> that look on your face. Oh, I, wish, I wish people could see it. It was just a, not even a, a smile. It was a, what are you, no, I, I, I've been dead in this in, in, inside yeah. for years. I can't dance. Pretty much. That, that, yeah. that exactly describes me. I've been dead inside for years. <laughs> all right. So our listener email today comes from Cody. First of all, thank you for sending an email in. Yeah. Um, thank you for being the first person to. What's the email that should email us in? What's the what? What's the email for them to email us at? Oh, I'm glad you asked, Croiler. It's just jujitsu podcast at gmail.com. Look at that. Yeah. Nice and easy. You know what? It, it makes sense if I would say that at the end of each episode. I did that for, for a few episodes. Yeah, like one or two of them, yeah. <laughs> and then I just stopped doing it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if you guys have questions, feel free to email it to our email and we will discuss it on the podcast, unless it's a terrible question. But if it's a really personal question towards Croiler, we'll be happy to talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, really personal. Don't don't be afraid to just really, really dig in deep, folks. Yeah. I'm sure you agree with that. Yeah, no. All right, so our email from our friend Cody. He, I, I'll skip to the meat and potatoes of it. He says, I'm a purple belt under Professor Trevor... Tre- Okay. Wow. All right. I'm going to cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I won't cut it out. I really want to because I know Paul, uh, if he's listening to this, will will really make fun of me for that because he... It, but, but here's the thing. I have more faith in you than I have in Paul because Paul's been reading my shit for like a year and a half now and he still can't read. He still can't read. Yeah. I, this is your first time. Okay. I am a purple belt under Professor Travis Took here in Houston, Texas. I'm also a retired pro MMA fighter turned into coach. In my coaching, I've come to lean on a few teaching tactics over some others. One thing I truly do believe in is teaching pathways, a series of techniques that can flow seamlessly together in an attempt to navigate your partner into submission. Instead of teaching like most academies do and giving you a technique, or move at a time, and hopefully by the end of that curriculum, you can tie them together. I wanted to get Croydler's take on how he feels about teaching pathways. If he indeed does do so himself, pros and cons, and any tips to help guide me in a better direction. So, Cody is asking about pathways. How do you feel about 
pathways. I don't know. It's actually the first time I've heard it called that. Um, it sounds like, again, and I could be wrong, and if I'm wrong, just let us know. Um, it sounds like from reading that email, what I took from it was he's teaching a string of techniques that go well together. You know, I will do A, A sets up B, B sets up C, and so on. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's a good way to go. Um, it's definitely a better way to go than um, single techniques that are not related whatsoever. Um, it's better. So if you think of technique styles, right? So I think you have the guy that teaches single techniques on their own. It's today we're going to do back chokes, tomorrow we're going to do arm bars. And they have no, no, rela- no relationship. Right. right? <laughs> I mean, that's your problem. Figure that out, right? Hey, then, uh, what's the relation to this and what we did yesterday? Jiu-jitsu. Okay, carry on. Yes, sir. Yeah, right. So then there's a step up, the guy that says, hey, we're going to do a bunch of attacks from this particular position, right? But then again, there's no relationship there. In guard, we can do this. In guard, we can also do that. And these other things over here. But there's no no connection there, right? And then you have the step up, which which I think is where he's at, like with the pathways, mm-hmm. uh, as he calls it. Um, you can call it combos too, where I, I think where you say, hey, if I do this move, you know, and it leads to these things happening and I can take advantage of those things. Um, and, and I think that's a, that's a good way to go. It's not how I do it. Um, I do something, I, I, you know, maybe a little bit more in depth than that. Um, you know, like, like we talked about earlier before the episode, you know, we, I do a lot of the if then scenarios. If, you know, I, 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 we get to a position, I say, this is the grip that you want to fight for. You get to this grip and then if you get to this grip, then you can employ these techniques and we'll go through, you know, an array of them, let's say five for argument's sake. And then, so I said, if you get to the scenario and you're successful, you have the options of doing one through five. If you do technique number one, right. And it's successful. Wonderful. If it's not successful, if it fails, it's going to fail because of A, B, C, D, or E. And then we have a technique that answers A, B, C, D, or E. And what happens is over a long period of time, you create this gigantic tree of techniques that are all interconnected and weaved together. And, um, you know, in the school, we call them series, right? You know, guard series or butterfly series or whatever. And in those guards, so, so I think of this, an individual technique is made up of steps. So steps equals a technique, technique equals combos, which is, I think, where he's at. And then combos lead to um, chains of attack. And then chains of attack lead to series. And then several series will lead to a guard or a position until your positions connect to other positions. And then you have a whole compound role. Okay. And from my reading of that, I, it sounds like he may be something... Yeah, yeah. Close, I think, I think maybe pathways could yeah, kind yeah, of be. Yeah, that. I think I think he's very close to it. I, you know, I don't know what extent he's going to because again, this is an email. It's kind of hard to, to gauge from a mm-hmm. conversation. He could be doing that. Yeah, he, he definitely could. Um, you know, if if he's doing more than just a combo, A leads to B, B leads to C, right? Because that's a combo. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's doing more than that, if he's explaining why you would go to B or why it would fail, and if it fails, why did it fail, and how we address those issues. And, and how do we take advantage of those issues? Um, if you can do that, then, then that would be even better. I mean, if he's already doing it, then that's mm-hmm. great. And as a student, that's my preferred way of learning is having someone explain to me <clears throat> the context of what I'm being taught and how 
that will work in different scenarios, how it won't work in some scenarios, and what you do if you end up in a scenario where that technique doesn't work. I'd like to see the different paths of if A, then B, if this, then this. It's like when, like we talked about in class sometimes where you have to find like the highway, right? Where you may be, let's say, in closed guard and you have the series that you're performing and you're really good at it and it, it leads to a back take. You fail, 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 so you address those issues. So you fail the first technique, you address that issue, it fails again, you address one more and you keep going until, let's say, you take somebody's back, right? Well, if you're in the back, then now you're doing a back series and you do all these attacks from the back. But there may be attacks that are the same from the back as they are from the guard. And if you know that they're exactly the same, that's a bridge, a bridge connecting the two positions that you can take advantage of, right? So at any point in the series, if you know that there's a, uh, an attack that is, you know, found equivalently found in a different position, you can just transfer your series and become very, very fluid. Very nice. Well, <clears throat> Cody, thank you for the email and thank you for listening. And yeah, like I said, anyone who wants to send questions in, you're more than welcome to do so. To close up today's episode, I want to just play with uh, maybe a little bit of word association. Oh my God. I'm so, horrible at that. Because I think too much. You can't be horrible at it. Yeah, I am because I think too much. And oh. I, I, yeah, I think about what you want when you're asking me that question. <laughs> And that's even better because whatever you say, that'll mean that you thought I wanted to hear that. That's like an inception thing. It is. So (laughs) so I'm just going to say stuff and you just, boom, word comes out. This is horrible. (laughs) Everything I do you say is horrible at the end of these episodes, (laughs) which tells me I am on the right path. Something. Okay. All right. So just kind (laughs) of take a deep breath. Clear your mind. You're the one stretching for this. (laughs) (laughs) Clear your mind. And when I say a word, you just say what comes to mind. I'll try. I'm horrible at it. Dog. Sunny. There we go. That's easy. That's your one of your dog's names. I hope that the other two aren't listening because they may be a little offended, a little jealous. Yeah. Moon. Nighttime. Okay. All right. See, this is this is not hard. It's we're we're onto something here. It's therapeutic. I feel relaxed. I'm glad you do. (laughs) Ocean. Brazil seafood. Brazil. Okay. Please, please, just one, just one word. (sighs) Dragon. (laughs) Game of Thrones. Ah. Okay. It's a sore subject. That's literally what I thought of that. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Okay. So agnostic. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Laugh. Fun times. Wrist. Wrist locks. Oh, I, I would have bet a thousand dollars on that one. Oh yeah. I, I knew it. Yeah. Sexy. You can't say wrist locks. No, my wife. <laughs> okay. That's a, uh, that's a fair answer. Idiot. Most people that say jits. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, I hate for that. That's okay. This is this is a this here, this room, this podcast is a, it's a is safe place. To it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next, we're moving on. Gee. 
Grips. News. What do you mean news? News. Like, like the news. Like, like like the news or something new. No, the news. The news. The oh, um. Don't think. Don't think. Don't think. Just it, it, you could say bubble. Gar- whatever garbage. comes to mind. Garbage. Okay. All right. Turtle. Serene. What? Okay, I didn't expect that. <laughs> I figured I'd throw something out there that you were not expecting. I thought you would hear turtle and think turtle position. Yeah, it's horrible. I was trying to avoid going there because I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for that too. <laughs> Basically, if turtle in regards to turtle position, that's just shit. Okay, shit. all right. Flawless. Hickson. High praise, all right. Guard. Um, savior of the week. Ooh, this is this is kind of getting better and better. We only have a couple more. Oh Jesus! There's a couple more. <laughs> princess. I. I d- d- just w- princess. What comes out? David Sotir. <laughs> oh, all right. There's a uh, there's a reference for one of our listeners. He's gonna die. <laughs> Man, you, disregard that statement. You guys had so many Facebook comments back and forth in the last 24 hours. There, there should have been chapters to oh, it. Oh, there's a hit out on him. There, there is. An, <laughs> yeah, if you guys, you could check it out on our. I don't know if it's on our Facebook it's, it's, page or if, it's on ours. It's on everybody's. It's on the grappling dads. It's on you know his. Yeah, he he uh, did some some nice photoshopping. That was don't praise that. There was, that was a throwback horrible. to our last episode where Croiler found that he was the Disney princess. Um, I don't remember her name, but she's from Wreck It Ralph, the little girl, the little princess girl. That's horrible. All right, and lastly, clear the mind, clear the mind, clear the mind. Comptroller. You and Paul. All right, that's what that's what came out. Well, good. I feel like you feel better. I feel relieved. I feel better. I hope you oh, feel good. like you know. let I, some I, stuff I, out. I think this this was horrible for me. <laughs> well, I hear that the more you do it, the more oh, is that what it is? More it helps. All right, All yeah. right. I, I will. I will not not practice that. Everyone, thank you for listening, and we appreciate it. I should probably say, if you want to email us, go to, uh, emails at justjujitsupodcast at gmail um, listen to Grappling Dads. That's another podcast out there about jujitsu. If you want to, we haven't thrown them a bone lately. No, we need to. I know. They they they're always nice and say. So I'm gonna apologize to everybody listening. If you decide to go over there, check them out. But my apologies ahead of time. Yeah, just because we're telling you to listen to them doesn't mean that we endorse that or recommend yeah, right, it. Right. That is correct. We're just saying that's out there. Right. Much like. I would tell someone, hey, there's a restaurant right down the street. I'm not telling you you should go to that restaurant, but you said you were hungry right. and they have food there. Right, right. So, like, I wouldn't eat there. If you say, I like jujitsu, but I don't really want to learn anything, I would say, well, that's something. Check it out, right? That's something right. for you. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to wrap it up now. Thank you, everyone. We're, out, we're over an hour. All right. Look at this. Look at us. Man, that's. We are, we're growing. We're, we're, we're getting bigger. We're, are, we're being able to expand and talk more. Um, that may not be a good thing, but we did it. So look at us. That's it, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye.